Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, welcome to episode 201 of SwiftCast. This is Adam. Ashley. Nate. And Steph. And if you happen to miss it, go back and listen to episode 200, our 200th episode celebration. Last week, we did a call-in episode where listeners called in and we talked about all kinds of things from tour memories to predictions for album six. And it was a blast. I had a lot of fun doing it with you guys. Yeah, it was amazing. It's always great when people call in and we are just able to chat with fans just like us, basically, uh, about Taylor, about, you know, whatever they wanted to. So it was really a fun time. And I just can't believe we're in the 200s now. We've been doing this for four years. Can you guys believe that? Yeah, it's hard to believe that we started this way back when the Red Tour started. And we had an Amazon gift card giveaway for people who called in. So congratulations to one of our callers, McKenna. We will be contacting you so that we can send that off to you. On this week's episode, we are going to be talking all about the 1989 World Tour and our top 13 moments. We've had a bunch of fun doing this with the Fearless Tour, and the Red Tour so far. So coming up in our main discussion, we'll be doing 1989. I'm so excited. Yeah, we've had a lot of fun with these. On episode 191, we covered Red, which was on the four-year anniversary of Red. And then on episode 198, we covered Fearless. But before we jump into the segments, we wanted to start out with a short, quick discussion about... A name that causes a lot of controversy in the Taylor fandom, and that is Katy Perry. And we want to mention her just because she had a new song come out recently called Swish Swish. And there's some controversy and some back and forth, well, more from Katy's side, about the song and how it is about Taylor and her response to Taylor's song, Bad Blood. And I just want to say, if the song was good, if it was well-written and well-produced, I would be the first person to say, I think it's a good song. I would say, I might not be the biggest fan of Katie, but I like the song. But it's not at all. (laughs) I said the same exact thing. I heard that song. I'm like, you listen to just the generic beat, the lyrics, which, you know, let's be frank here. I mean, look like they were written by a child i mean and the entire thing just makes no sense if she's going to you know extend the olive branch to taylor and then she's writing this song that is not flattering at best i mean it just makes no sense to me why i don't know why should we even put this song out in the first place is beyond me yeah it's kind of confusing because she has been extending the olive branches nate put it to taylor and she said that she would be happy to put this behind them and yet she keeps talking about it 
which leads me to what I often complain about, and that is people using Taylor's name for their own promotional purposes. And it just really bothers me. At this point, this was about four years ago. Four years ago that this happened. <laughs> it's been going on a long time. And we're still talking about it. And I fully support artists writing songs about whatever's on their mind. We know Taylor does that. We want her to do that. And so you can't complain about that at all. And for example, other artists have written songs about Taylor. There are lots of rumors about Harry Styles having Taylor songs on his album. Mm. But this just seems like it's so much in the past, and yet it's just being continually brought up for promotional purposes. You know, the thing that gets me too is Taylor has never actually even come out to admit or, you know, acknowledge that Bad Blood is about Katie uh, in the first place. She never does with any of her songs who they're about. That's as Taylor's described it, that's her ace in the hole. So for Katie to actually come out and say, yeah, this song's about Taylor, kind of, I don't know, kind of shady to me. Right. That's a good point. Taylor doesn't confirm for anybody who her songs are about. I agree with everything that you guys said, and some of the listeners might be Katy Perry fans, and that's totally fine. I don't think any of us really are, but we are a Taylor Swift podcast. We're obviously huge Taylor fans, and we're going to side with her on this issue. But in my mind, I have just decided basically to forget about it. Like, I don't really care about this beef that they have. I'm going to like Bad Blood because it's a, a cool, fun song that I enjoy, and I don't really care what it's about, and I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah, and when 1989 was released, we talked a lot about that. That song could be used in so many different ways, whether it's in your personal life, whether you're having a problem at work or with a friend or with a significant other, whereas this song is just seems just outright mean but that's her prerogative she can do whatever she wants just like taylor can do whatever she wants well let's move on from that topic and go into a much more fun topic which is taylor's older tweets and tumblr posts yes the first one is from may 22nd 2009 eight years ago taylor tweeted sitting in my dressing room at staples center in LA. Definitely having a moment right now. Can't believe this sometimes. So do you think that was the first time she performed there? I can't say for sure, but I feel like it probably was. Yeah, the reason I ask is because now she has that banner for most sold out performances. Right, I think it probably was. It seems like it just by the, the wording of the tweet. And that would have been Fearless Tour. Yeah, Fearless Tour. Well, on a related note, this is actually two years later. Taylor tweeted on May 18th, 2011, and she tweeted, Standing on my new stage doing an interview for 60 Minutes next season. Cannot believe this tour is about to start. E! I think I did the E very well, just saying. <laughs> and that was, of course, for Speak Now, so two years after the Fearless Tour, so. Oh, and that was an awesome special. I loved that. And I did, just for fun, look back quickly on May 22nd, 2009, that was the Fearless Tour at the Stable Center. There was only one date. And of course, for 1989, there were five. So that's some progress. On May 17th of 2015, Taylor tweeted, After we wrapped, hashtag bad blood music video. And she included a photo of everyone eating in and out 
which is a great choice. Yeah, I always like that photo because it was cool to see them eating in and out, which is something that you don't get to have unless you're in California or Arizona. But I always enjoy it when I get a chance to have it. Me too. Oh, I love in and out Well, from the next day, May 18th, 2015, Taylor posted a picture of herself holding all of her Billboard Music Awards that she won. And the caption was, Last night was a dream sequence. I never forget that you're the reason my life is like this. Thank you for all of it. And last week, we didn't get to talk about the Billboard Music Awards because we had our call-in episode and Taylor didn't show up to the Billboard Music Awards, but she remains the artist with the most Billboard Awards in the show's history, which I think is pretty cool. Now, is it total Billboard Awards or amount of Billboard Awards in one particular awards show? It's actually total. Okay. She was nominated for 46 and she's won 21. Well, hey, the cool thing about the billboards is it's not a, you know, voted process. I mean, it's all based on the numbers that you do and the albums you sell. So for her to have the most, I mean, just kind of says something. Our next tweet is from May 18th, 2015. Taylor said, Go to 1 minute 42 seconds of the Bad Blood music video to see the take where I got it right. This, however, was the first take. Hashtag stunt fail. And it's the Instagram video, which is hilarious, of her crashing through the wall. Yeah, that looked kind of painful. (laughs) It did. I was like, oh my god, the first time I saw that. Well, she burst through the wall, and of course, you know, it's supposed to give way as she is coming through that wall but she totally got spooked by it and just ended up falling flat on the ground (laughs) right and then she says i forgot to keep running i'm fine (laughs) (laughs) so our next one from tumblr taylor posted on may 21st 2015 i really missed being on tour and she posted a picture of of course the 1989 world tour it's a really cool picture nice silhouette of her on stage you know the smoke in the background Yeah, and that was right as the 1989 World Tour was kicking off. Exactly why we're doing this episode. Yes, for the two-year anniversary already. Well, that same day, on May 21st of 2015, Taylor tweeted in all caps, freaking out right now, you broke the Vivo world record. Thank you. And of course, she was referring to the Bad Blood music video, which broke Vivo's 24-hour record, it had 20.1 million views. Unfortunately, I think it was Adele who has since beaten that record. But I'm confident that the lead single of Album 6 will, again, overtake the record. I think so too. People have been waiting for Taylor for so long now that that video is going to be watched so many times when it's released. Well, and we talked a little bit about what could potentially be involved in this music video on episode 199 and if the rumors are actually correct i think this music video could be just really spectacular either way it will be spectacular but we'll see what happens and i feel like just every video taylor puts out is so well done and it's never just a generic video but especially with the lead singles i mean when you think of the We Are Never video, which was shot all in one take like it was, and then Shake It Off with the giant secret operation that that was and all of the dancers they involved. She always goes big for the first video, and she just has the bar set even higher now. Looking forward to it. 
And our final post from this week comes from May 22nd, 2015. Taylor says in quotes, ha ha ha, it really does sound like Starbucks lovers. My mom just now, who is supposed to be on my side. SMH. <laughs> oh, Andrea. I mean, it does sound like Starbucks lovers. I'm surprised it took Andrea that long to discover that. <laughs> right, because that was the whole way in May. Well, let's move on to our segment called Squad Tweets. We got some good feedback about this recently. It, it seems like you guys are really enjoying this, hearing all about Taylor's friends and what they're up to. Yeah, exactly. Well, our first one is from Selena Gomez. She tweeted on May 17th, all my feelings are on fire. Hashtag Bad Liar is out now. And she linked to, of course, her new single, Bad Liar, which is out. Have you guys heard this yet? I've heard it only once, and I'm going to have to go and listen to it again. The first listen, I thought it was just okay, but like a lot of songs, maybe upon a second, third, and fourth listen, it, it will grow on me. Yeah, sometimes it takes a little bit to let a song sink in. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as Adam. On Friday, my radio station was playing it every hour on the hour, but I only heard it once, and I think I need to listen to it more. I'm still liking, right now, her other song with Kygo. Me too. I like that one. I'm such a bad squad fan. I haven't even heard this song yet. Our next piece of news is something I'm personally very, very excited about. On May 18th, Lord tweeted Melodrama Tracklist out June 16th, which she announced the album release back in March. But up until now, the only official singles that we had were Greenlight and Liability. So it was really cool getting to see all the song names because... It starts to give you a better idea of the whole album. And I personally am just so, so excited to hear all of these songs. It's always so fun to see a track list before you actually hear the songs, because I like to think about what the song could be about. And this made me think that if Taylor did do what we were thinking about, maybe just dropping an album, we wouldn't have that luxury. I just like to think about what it could be about and then see how wrong I am when the album actually is released. And Lord was also hinting that a third single is going to be dropped very soon, so by the time you hear this episode, that might be out. So since we're in the squad segment, I also wanted to just talk for a minute about the fact that I saw Jack Antonoff Bleachers live over the weekend, and it was the most amazing show of my entire life. More than a Taylor show? I mean, I guess I would put it in a different category of show. I mean, Taylor will always be my number one, obviously, but I guess of bands that I've seen, of like rock shows that I've been to, mm -hmm. I just cannot believe how amazingly talented Jack is. That was a, uh, well, Bleachers slash Jimmy World concert, right? Yeah, it was a big radio station festival, so seeing both of them back to back was really, really fun. And Jack just has so much energy I've never seen somebody run around a stage as much as him. Bleachers is touring nationwide now, and I would highly recommend, even if you haven't listened to much of their music, anyone to go, because you can tell why Taylor and Lord and so many of the top artists in the world want to work with him. He's just amazing. I would love to make it to one of those shows, or a Jimmy Eat World concert for that matter. I think both of them are amazing. Yeah, the combination of the two was really like almost too much for mm -hmm. me to take. It was so good. I believe it. Yeah, they're definitely on my bucket list. So I'll have to check all the dates out, figure out when I can go. Lord also tweeted, Loved this day. Thank you for letting me do my thing, Billboard. 
and she was referring to her performance at the Billboard Music Awards last week. Did any of you guys see that? I did, and I thought it was probably my favorite performance from the whole show. Yeah, it was really cool. She basically had it set up like she was singing in a karaoke bar. Like she was facing the screen and like a TV with her lyrics on it and she had like a handheld mic and then she just starts like going crazy and dancing in this karaoke bar. It was pretty fun. Yeah, it was really good. Well, this past week, one of Taylor's good friends, Haley Steinfeld, had a new music video come out on May 23rd and it's for her new song called Most Girls. And I checked out the video and it was fun. I liked it. It was very upbeat. It's a it's a cool pop song. And it was a neat video. I have not been able to check that out yet, but I definitely will have to. And our last piece of squad news is from Kelsey Ballerini. On May 21st, she tweeted, Next week, hashtag YouLookGoodTour. Retweet if you're coming. And that's her tour with Lady Antebellum, which I'm sure is going to be awesome. Is anyone going to be able to go see that? I would like to if I can. I'm not sure yet. Well, we did talk with... A couple of our callers about how much Taylor fans seem to like Kelsey and everyone's really excited for her next album, which it sounds like will be coming soon. Yeah, she is just really dominating everything, which I think is great. And I'm excited for her new album, too. Well, we do have some news this week. And the first one is exciting because Taylor has finally been spotted out in public. Well, maybe not exactly in public, but Nate will tell you about it. Well, yeah, so now this is dating uh, pretty much back to Mother's Day. Um, If you guys haven't heard, Taylor was finally out in Nashville, uh, where she was visiting her mom, of course. Uh, There's some kind of semi-invasive pictures of her walking into Andrea's house there in Nashville. But either way, it's just refreshing to see that Taylor has been around and, of course, alive, which we all love. So, Yeah, even though we like Taylor's privacy to be respected... It is still nice to see her out and about. The last time a paparazzi took her photo was back in January when she was at the gym. So in a way, it's good she's had so many months of people not invading her privacy, but hopefully things won't get too crazy again. I have a feeling we're going to be seeing more of Taylor now. Yeah, me too. I think so. Well, right before those pictures came out, I think we talked on one of our recent episodes about when we thought she would surface and most of us seemed to think that it would have been a while longer. Yeah, we all initially thought it would be, a lot of us were saying the end of June, I think. And then when Taylor started posting on social media again, I think Ashley, you asked us again, do you want to modify your answers now? And we said, a lot of us said, yeah, we want to move it up. But I didn't expect it to be that early. And even though it wasn't really like a public outing, it also was not her hiding in a box being carried into the house. (laughs) (laughs) Which she could do. So I want to say that she is at this time kind of okay with being seen occasionally. Well, DirecTV released a special feature for Taylor Swift Now, which was really exciting and unexpected. We covered... Taylor Swift now on episodes 184 and 193 because Taylor Swift now is a special through direct TV and some of our listeners might not have direct TV so that was why we wanted to summarize all of the episodes for you and this was a special featurette it was short only about two to three minutes long 
but it was something we knew that had been filmed and we were waiting for it because when Taylor Swift Now was originally announced, we all saw these scenes of Taylor visiting the castle from the Love Story music video. So when we watched all these episodes, we were all wondering where that footage was, and now we finally have it, and it was amazing. It just made me feel really nostalgic in a way to see her back at that castle and just to see the juxtaposition of her now versus in the music video. And she had Andrea's dog Kitty with her, which was just great because Kitty reenacted Romeo's part of the music video. And <laughs> Taylor mentioned that she really prefers cats over dogs because Kitty was misbehaving a little bit. But it was just really cool to see. And before Taylor took us back to the scene, she gave a little introduction to it where she talked about how much fun she had doing this set and she mentioned how hot it was the day she filmed it and how she didn't even know that there would be a castle around Nashville but there was. Yeah I hope that Taylor Swift now continues to post little videos like this once in a while. They're always fun to watch. Yeah I think they'll have a big role in the next album so it'll be fun to see what happens with that. Well, as we mentioned before in the post that Taylor made about the Bad Blood music video, it was released two years ago and broke Vivo's 24-hour record with 20.1 million views, and the video ended up winning a Grammy for Best Music Video. That was such a great video. And like we said earlier, Taylor just makes her videos just over the top. They're so good, and I am really excited to see what the lead single video will be like for album six. Our next piece of news is that Taylor was ranked the youngest self-made woman on the recent Forbes list due to her net worth of $280 million. That's amazing. That's over a quarter billion dollars, just by the way. Yeah, and Taylor was actually number 55 on the list, so I can't believe that there are 54 other women with more money than that. (laughs) Well, Oprah obviously is one. Right. So being one of the richest people in the world aside, um, this one's a really interesting piece of news. Taylor wrote an email to the New York Times because they featured Jack Antonoff. And uh, she wrote into them, quote, Sometimes he sits at the piano and we both just start ad-libbing and the song seems to create itself. His excitement and exuberance about writing songs is contagious. He's an absolute joy. That's why everyone loves him. I personally wouldn't trust someone who didn't. So this is interesting because in a way, just the way she's writing it, it makes it sound like she's working with him in the present time. That's kind of how I interpreted it too. I hope that that's true. Okay, I'm glad maybe I'm not just reading things into it because I want them to work together again. But it just, the way she words it makes it sound like they've been working together. Just sometimes he sits at the piano and we both just start ad-libbing and the song seems to create itself. Yeah, because that's not really the stories that we got from how any songs on 1989 were created. Exactly. With I Wish You Would, it was he played the cool track and she could hear the song in her head and so she sat down with it and just recorded it. And Out of the Woods, I'm not quite sure. I don't think that was at the piano, though. And the same with I Don't Want to Live Forever. And I mentioned a few weeks ago in an interview where he was talking about things he's working on and 
he mentioned a bunch of things that I'm not supposed to talk about yet, and I just have to believe that Taylor might be included in that. We'll see. I'll keep my fingers crossed, though. Yeah, for sure. I can't wait for TS6. It's going to be awesome. Well, stay tuned. We will be right back with our main discussion. All right, so now it is time for us to do our 1989 Top 13 Moments Countdown. These are always a lot of fun, and we have some awesome audio clips ready for you guys for numbers 5 through 1. But, of course, going backwards, we're going to start at number 13. And our number 13 is The Secret Songs, which is a special thing Taylor started back on the Red Tour. And for 1989, she didn't quite have as much variety as she did on the Red Tour, but she still had a lot of really great surprises for fans. For example, she ended up doing songs like Holy Ground, You Belong With Me, 15, Mean, Sparks Fly, Fearless, Should Have Said No, Never Grow Up, Ronin, All Too Well, Red, Mine, and Long Live. So a lot of them were completely unexpected. For example, even just if you look at Should Have Said No was from the debut album. All Too Well was in Los Angeles and I was so jealous of everybody there. Nate and I got to see Red, which was really cool. Yeah. And also Wonderland in Pittsburgh. Do you remember that? Yes. Although she performed Wonderland more than once, right? At the beginning of the tour. I think only at the beginning. I only ever saw it once. So that's why it kind of stood out to me, but... Yeah, I think it originally started out on the set list, but then it was removed and then brought back once or twice for a secret song. Yeah, at first, wasn't she just rotating between You Are In Love and Wonderland, and then it just kind of dropped off? Right. I think I could be wrong, but I feel like the Pittsburgh show where you guys saw it might have been the last time that she did it. I think it honestly was, yeah. And it was pretty early on in the tour. Mm, I was still in June, I remember that. Yeah, and but some of the other songs were more staples of the show, like You Belong With Me and 15 and Mean. She performed those quite a bit, which is understandable because those are fan favorites. They're really popular songs. But we always talk about how we like to hear some of the more rare songs. You know, initially I would have ranked this higher, but Secret Songs, I oh, well, of course I love listening to them at every show, but they're not really that like exclusive to the 1989 tour. So we just thought it would be fun to put it as number 13, because obviously that's the lucky number. So, <laughs> Well, yeah, it was way more of a, a secret song for the Red Tour, I, I would say. Mm-hmm. There was such a variety during the Red Tour. Either way, I hope Taylor continues this with her next tour. Me too, because she just has so many songs. It's a great way for longtime fans to hear some older songs. Our number 12 moment is the Shake It Off finale and everything that went along with it from the big mechanical arm stage that rose and spun to the confetti to the different dress color that Taylor wore every night. That was just the perfect finale to that show. Everyone always looked forward to the picture just to see what color dress Taylor was wearing that night. And if you were at the show, trying to guess the moment before the l- she popped up was always so much fun. Right, she had three different ones. It was either green, blue, or pink. I've always wanted her to add a yellow one in. That would have been cool. She does look very good in yellow. Yeah. I think my favorite was pink. 
of the three. Yeah, I liked pink and blue, but it almost seemed like she wore green the most. People said she looked like a Christmas tree. (laughs) Which could have been what she was going for. And remember how she always had trouble getting the harness off at the end of Shake It Off? Oh, yeah, that's right. She did. She had her dancer (laughs) helper. Yeah, that was always funny. And they just had so much fun up there. At one point, they kind of look like they're swimming. That, I always really enjoyed that part. It was just like a big dance party on a spinning propeller. And I think that was the only thing that disappointed me about that in Austin and Houston was seeing that song without all of those elements. It did feel different. Yeah. And so it'll be interesting to see how she performs it because I'm sure it will be on every tour. How could it not be? Well, yeah, and she'll probably do something really cool with it because look at what she did with We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together and Trouble. She just always reinvents her biggest hits. Even Love Story is another great example. It was such a perfect finale that it will be weird to see it in the middle of the show. Yeah, I had not thought about that before. But you're right, she's got to include it, so it'll be in there somewhere. Well, our number 11 moment is the blank space performance and everything that goes along with that from the golf club routine to the naming each city on a loop. There's just so many cool things with that performance. I really liked the loop because on this show, we always talk about how we're big fans of Ed and it just reminded me of Ed and the fact that she used a loop pedal was really cool to me. Yeah, I always wonder if he taught her. He might have. I also really liked the outfit in that one. It was like a, it was a basically a leather jacket, wasn't it? Yeah, but it kind of felt like a suit in a way. Like a leather power suit. Yeah. Yeah, like she's a powerful businesswoman. <laughs> and just the choreography on that was pretty cool. Just You could see how much work the dancers put into that song. Well, all the songs, but that one was intricate. And that song in the crowd will always get a loop, even if she doesn't have a loop pedal. One of my favorite moments from the Houston show was when she played Blank Space, and no loop pedal or anything, but the entire crowd looped the city name Houston into the song. It was great. That was awesome. I love that. It's kind of like how during Bad Blood, you could also hear the fans screaming Kendrick Lamar's part, you forgive, you forget, but you never let it go. Right. (laughs) I think in both Houston and Austin, we heard both of those. I think so, yeah. So number 10 on our countdown. This is one of my favorite moments from the whole show, and I always say this. It's the start of I Knew You Were Trouble, when everything is very dark and kind of pitch black, and all you see is Taylor back-to-back with one of her dancers sitting on the catwalk, and she just starts singing. I knew you were trouble when she just kind of starts going into the lyrics. And I think it's about like a minute worth of this buildup right into the song. And it's amazing. Yeah, I really thought the buildup was the distinguishing moment of this whole song. Just that slow buildup was amazing. And then even just the way she changed it, she made it so different from the red performance of Trouble. It just felt so moody and kind of dark. Oh, absolutely. Such a difference from how she performed it on the Red Tour. And you know, I remember specifically when this tour was being spoiled on Twitter, was that nobody knew 
what she was singing because everyone was screaming so loud. (laughs) So during the slow start, everyone was just confused. Like she's kind of on stage, like doing something, but we can't hear her. (laughs) Another favorite part of mine was when she does the stop in the kind of near the end ish. And then she does the go. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Lights turn blue, stop. And then bang red again. Yeah. And then the music starts and then she has that incredible vocal part at the very end it's unbelievable i wish we could include clips for everything because trouble is way up there on my list i wish we could too this would end up being like a two-hour episode (laughs) (laughs) i also really like the smoke cannons i guess you would call them that in that song if any of you were ever fortunate enough to sit on the floor those things are awesome they are so loud and so powerful well and the photos of her with the smoke all around her, always looked so amazing. And especially when she was at the end of the catwalk and you could see the smoke rising up. Well, I think one thing we can all agree is that everybody wants to see I Knew You Were Trouble on the next tour. Absolutely. Well, even though we don't have audio of Trouble on this episode, our number nine moment will help you out with that because it is the fact that you can watch 1989 World Tour Live on Apple Music. And... If you've been listening to us, you know that we continually complain about how there's no Red Tour DVD. <laughs> and we're always very upset about this, and we'll never get over it, ever. But at least with 1989, we can go back and relive it through Apple Music. I still would love to have a physical DVD copy of this, so if Taylor ever wants to sell that, I would buy it. Oh, me too. I would pay an arm and a leg for one of those. <laughs> You know, the thing that sets this apart, of course, from the other ones, first of all, was that it was streamed on Apple Music. I mean, that's the only way you can get it. And the fact that there wasn't a Red Tour one, it just made you question totally whether there would even be a 1989 World Tour anything. We talked about it so much. It was a big concern of ours back Oh my gosh. Then. Well, I'm so glad. And it's in, you know, shiny HD quality too. So anyway, smart move, Taylor. Please, please, please keep doing these tour DVDs. Please. And give us a retroactive red one, please. (laughs) Our number eight moment is the How You Get the Girl light up dress, which I personally think is the coolest tour costume Taylor has ever had. It was amazing. Definitely the most technologically advanced costume she's ever had. And really, that whole performance, the way that they created rain on stage and the umbrella choreography and just everything, the lights show, so amazing. Well, and the dress just fit the theme of 1989 perfectly with, it was a crop top and skirt. The one thing I always really liked about this performance was about halfway through the song, uh, the lights just completely go out and all you see is Taylor's dress. That was the best part, yeah. And then it would change colors. I wonder how long it took them to perfect that. I think that would have been a hard performance to get ready for. You know, something I didn't think about until now, that dress was probably super hot on stage. (laughs) And heavy. Yeah, it had to have a lot of battery packs on it. Yeah, my God. I mean, just for our signs, you know, out out in the crowd. I mean, that takes a lot of juice. Yeah, I remember the battery packs. I wonder how they did that. If they had to replace the batteries all the time or if they could plug it in somehow it was secretly a car battery on taylor's back we just never noticed (laughs) maybe and after that performance 
because the next song was I Know Places, there was that really cool musical interlude that the band would do. I loved that, yeah. And Taylor always likes to give, especially the guitar players, a chance to shine during the show. Our number seven moment is Taylor's performance of Style and all of the different guests that she had during that song who came out and walked the runway. And a bunch of the people that she had come walk the runway included Martha Hunt, Gigi Hadid, Cara Delevingne, Mariska Hargitay, Serena Williams, Carly Kloss, Heidi Klum, the United States women's soccer team, Lily Aldridge, Lena Dunham, Haley Steinfeld, Candice Swanepoel, Behati Prinsloo, Uzo Aduba, Andrea Pejic, Lily Donaldson, Joan Baez, Julia Roberts, Matt LeBlanc, Chris Rock, Sean O'Pry, Ellen DeGeneres, and I think that was about it. But that was a lot of people. Well, that's definitely a lot, yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to make sure I saw everything on the list, but uh, yeah, a bunch of shows she had, multiple people, even up to three at a, at a time, which was cool. Uh, but it was always, you know, fun to see if she would have that element at the show that you went to and who the guests would be. It was always really interesting because like half of these people were just showing up to see the show and Taylor caught wind of it and was like, hey, you want to come on stage? And they did. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. And sometimes she would bring people out during Bad Blood. That only happened a few times, though. But it was just a big surprise every night. You never knew what was going to happen. And I think the favorite for me had to be Ellen, just because oh, 100%. Ellen dressed up like Taylor's outfit for style and tried to mimic her. <laughs> <laughs> and you see that behind-the-scenes video of her like making the dress, and she's just like, sequence. <laughs> Tons of sequence. <laughs> That was great. So that brings us to number six on our countdown. And this one is pretty significant because it kind of set a new precedent, it seems, for all of Taylor's shows. And that was the wristbands that lit up during the entire concert. And of course, as most of us know, during each song, they would light up either a different color or always to the beat of the song, whatever was going on. And it made the entire arena or stadium or, you know, what have you just completely light up, which was amazing, you know, unheard of from any other Taylor show before that. So, and of course we saw that both in Austin and in Houston as well. So. Yeah, this really did, like Nate said, set a precedent, not only for Taylor because she continued with it in Austin and Houston, but I noticed that other artists started using the same idea. Taylor sets the trends for things. That's just the way it goes. But <laughs> I think it's really cool. Anytime you go to a Taylor show in the past, you would love, and you still love, to look at all the different signs fans make and how lit up we as a fan base get for every show. And this just brought it to a whole nother level because you have the whole stadium is lit up and then you also have signs everywhere and fan costumes and lights. There's nothing like a Taylor show. And it wasn't just like any, you know, plain old light or, you know, sparkle or something like that. They were specifically programmed to go along with the song. Uh, like, for instance, I remember in Columbus when Taylor sang Red, of course, all the wristbands turned red. Mm -hmm. uh, Andy Grammer came out. They were all gold. That was the first time I'd seen that. During each mood of the song, it would correspond with a particular color, which was amazing. And I think Taylor asked all of her special guests 
which color they wanted the wristband to be because I remember Walk the Moon and I believe they said that they wanted to be a mixture of all the different colors. So they were all just flashing. Yeah. Didn't she say that on the 1989 World Tour Live? Might have been. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Do you guys remember how after one of the early shows of the tour, those wristbands saved someone's life after they got in a car accident? That's right. Yeah, that was after the Louisiana shows, which was at the very beginning of the tour. It was these girls had their they had crashed their car, I think, and they were unable to call for help. And they waved the bracelets like a flare and were able to flag down help. And Taylor became aware of that story. I can't remember if she tweeted or maybe made a Tumblr post, but she said she was so glad that they were okay. Now, the big question is for the next tour... Do the bracelets return and maybe are they technologically improved? Do they have another feature or something? We'll see. Hopefully all of the above. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't even tell you guys how many bracelets I have. I really just lost count. (laughs) (laughs) I kept all of mine and all the batteries are intact. And I would always try and get multiples if I could. And when they presented them to you, when you entered the arena or stadium, Taylor made sure that her employees would say, this is a gift from Taylor. Oh, yeah, that's right. Wasn't that so cool? It was was. just really smart. I remember by the end of that tour in Tampa, I think I had 10 of those wristbands and just the voltage coming from my body alone. I mean, it was insane. (laughs) (laughs) For our top five moments, we have audio clips for them, which will hopefully put you right back into the tour and give you some good memories. Our number five moment is the Enchanted Wildest Dreams mashup. This was such a great moment. I am still astounded by Taylor's brilliance in deciding to mash these songs up. I always remember this tweet from Taylor's backup singers when they were rehearsing, and they just mentioned how Taylor is just a genius. And I always, in my head, imagined it was after they realized she was doing this mashup. I don't know what they were actually referring to, maybe just the whole show, but in my head, that's what I connected with. Because this is something no one ever expected, and it was brilliant. It absolutely was. I mean, just the fact that we heard Enchanted on this tour in the first place is amazing in itself. But to perfectly combine both of these songs, it, I mean, instantly became a favorite for me. And I I really don't even think I could choose which part of the mashup was my favorite. Exactly. Because the whole thing is incredible. 
and even just the transition from when she leaves the piano to actually walking out on the catwalk and of course having the quick wardrobe change where she rips off the skirt and you have the alien piano which just tied everything together so well man it was just perfect wasn't it it was and i loved how long it was i never wanted it to end i think it was usually about six minutes one thing i will say i miss though is at the beginning of the tour taylor would do this speech before she played it and it was usually along the lines of how whenever she has a bad day she'll look back on that specific moment and it was a longer speech maybe two minutes but then she ended up cutting it toward the end of tour yeah and that was kind of disappointing because i really loved that speech and it wasn't something that was rehearsed it was really i felt like an honest sort of stream of whatever she was feeling that day so it was really nice getting that the other thing with this song was sometimes the outfit would change one time she wore a black jumpsuit which i really liked oh yeah i forgot about that yeah i thought that one was pretty great but i also like the gold and i think the gold had different variations so the whole thing was just perfect our number four moment is out of the woods and more specifically the out of the woods bridge Yeah, this was, for me, definitely one of my favorite parts. I feel like I'm saying that for everything. I apologize. But I know I'm really (laughs) going to miss this because I feel like I might never hear it again. And I will really, really miss it. It was just fantastic. Yeah, the bridge specifically, just her vocals and the quality and how she belted that part out was just unbelievable. The intensity. Exactly. Yeah. The intensity. Anytime somebody tells you Taylor can't sing, just play that for her. Exactly. <laughs> and the whole performance was just, just really cool with the the backdrop, the big screen that had the woods scene, and the dancers that had the uh, paper airplanes that they were flying around. It was really neat. And the paper airplane confetti. That's right. Which went away for a little while, and then it was very exciting when it was back. Oh my gosh, I remember that. I tried to get confetti from every concert, and I always made sure to get at least one paper airplane. Well, and even the way she used the mic as a prop at the beginning. Oh, true. She would lean on it different ways. I always kind of felt like this song was the finale before the finale, if that makes sense. She'd always be like, you guys sing with me one last time, and then kind of go into it. And then, of course, the intensity just seemed like um, kind of like built into the climax of the show almost. Exactly. And then it made it feel like Shake It Off was the encore performance. Mm. And I remember before she went on tour, we talked a lot about whether she would have an encore. And I really wanted her to have an encore. But 
actually the way she did 1989 I prefer this rather than having to wait several minutes and just sitting in the dark this was fantastic and I think the videos broke it up a little bit with having her friends talk yeah it worked out fine and if you remember the end of out of the woods went on for about two minutes even after the song ended with just the the music and the backup singers going while Taylor went backstage to change into the shake it off outfit uh, and then after out of the woods ended there was one final friends video so there still was despite not having an encore there was a little bit of a probably a five minute break there before shake it off started our number three moment is the We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together rock version. all agree that this version should stay in every tour even though we know it probably won't it definitely should i've been pretty vocal about the fact that we're never is not my favorite song it's a great song i love it but when taylor first released it i was way back in 2012 i was a little concerned that i was gonna hate red not hate but that i would maybe not like red as much as her other albums but taylor proved me wrong as she always does but for me, when I was thinking about having We Are Never on the 1989 tour, it would have been a song I would rather just hear something else, like an old song from the debut album or Fearless. But again, like I said, Taylor proved me wrong. And this became one of my absolute favorite songs. It was amazing. It, she took a song that was really poppy and made it so different and I will really, really miss it if she doesn't perform it in the future. And when we had our 200th episode, a lot of callers said they want Taylor to go in this direction on her next album with a rock vibe like she did on We Are Never. Who would have thought that the rock version of this song would sound so amazing? And especially the performance that she gave with it. The red lights, the guitar, the and again, I use the word intensity during the song. I mean incredible the first time i heard that song i couldn't believe how well it turned out yeah and even the way she would kind of growl the cooler than mine yes <laughs> that was so great i would call it more of like a scream than a growl yeah yeah i guess so yeah i would almost describe we are never the original one anyway as more of like kind of like bubblegum pop i hate to use that phrase but that's kind of what i would attribute it to yeah i agree and then to hear this darker, edgier, energetic song. I think she should do that with more songs. I, I'd love to hear more of these songs in that type of style. Shake it off, right? <laughs> that would be <laughs> Could interesting. Could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> 
I cannot imagine, but I really want to find out. And I bet she would be really successful doing it. Well, and the other thing she would do with this song in the middle when she would do the three, two, one, and everybody would scream. That was great, too. Mm-hmm. She made it really interactive, and I can't say enough about it. Especially in those stadium shows of like 55,000 people, everybody screaming during that. That was amazing. Yeah. Our number two moment is a definite fan favorite, and that is the clean speech. You know, when somebody criticizes you or says something behind your back, those words that they said about you, it's like you feel like those words are written all over your face, all over you. And, and then those words start to become echoes in your own mind. And then there's a real risk that those words could become a part of how you see yourself. The moment that you realize that you are not the opinion of somebody who doesn't know you or care about you, that moment when you realize that is like you're clean. And I know that so many of Taylor's fans loved this part of the show because of the message that she gave and how it applies to so many people. And people just took it to heart. They loved it. And I think kind of like what Ashley said about the speech Taylor did before Enchanted, the cool thing about the Queen speech was it was different every night. It wasn't rehearsed or memorized because Taylor doesn't do that. She likes to just speak freely to us. And that's one of the many reasons why we love her. And some of those Queen speeches were very, very long too. Oh yeah. (laughs) I remember the one, I think it had to be like 10 minutes. I'm like, oh my gosh. (laughs) And she sort of had, I feel like, different themes that she would talk about and the speeches were always different, but they would kind of like focus around like particular topics. And yeah, one of them that I liked was when she said, it's more important to be happy than to look cool. Definitely. She always, I feel like for every tour provides inspirational words like that and she just sends along positive messages to the fans but here she took it to another level for this tour and our number one moment from the 1989 world tour was all of the different special guests that taylor had and here is a clip of a couple of our favorites about the 1989 world tour 
and this is excluding fans. I mean, including fans, of course, but when anyone who has ever been to these shows, the first thing that they immediately talked about afterwards or uh, that you would see in the media or even before one of the shows was who was going to be the special guest at this show. It's not new to any of Taylor's tours, but it definitely defined the 1989 World Tour. I mean, you had some amazing talent out there on stage almost every single night and it really just made for an amazing show for fans of taylor people who were you know chaperone dads uh or anything like that it really was fantastic when you said that that made me think of the nashville show when taylor brought out Mick Jagger, and there was a news article about a chaperone mom or grandma and she was just having a meltdown to see Mick Jagger live. <laughs> I loved that video. It is so funny. That video is probably one of the best things to come out of the whole tour. <laughs> <laughs> but like Nate said, this wasn't a new thing, but Taylor just intensified it so much. And it was always a big surprise because at a certain point, Taylor started doing the sound check secretively. And I think they would turn the amps off or something because in the past, fans would be able to hear the sound check and they would know who the guest was going to be. So if you guys could pick one performance as your favorite, which one would you pick? You know, I was at a lot of different shows and I had the fortune of seeing multiple special guests. But the one I'm going to pick is actually at a show I wasn't at, but it's featured on the 1989 World Tour Live. And of course, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm going to take it first. Uh, it's Wiz Khalifa. <laughs> of course you had to take it first i'm sorry how amazing was that build-up though i mean just that particular segment that they highlighted and there are you know a couple videos floating around out there of the full performance that you can watch and it's just amazing yeah we've often said on this podcast that that little snippet on the 1989 world tour live should get a grammy <laughs> it deserves one and you know how you said earlier, stuff that if anybody tells you that Taylor can't sing, listen to the Out of the Woods Bridge. This is exhibit A2, or this is the <laughs> second exhibit of her incredible vocals. Absolutely. It's incredible. I think another favorite of mine, and I know I've talked about this before, would have to be the Nelly and Haim performance in St. Louis. Oh, that was mine. You took mine. <laughs> Oh, man. I mean, how cool was that? That is such a funny performance. I really wish that would have been featured, the full performance on the 1989 World Tour Live. I would say that my favorite, probably because I was there and I'm biased, but was the performance of Let It Go with Idina Menzel. Oh, yeah. That was pretty incredible. Especially because they were in Olaf and Elsa costumes for the beginning of it. <laughs> That's right. It was Halloween at Tampa. So, And then, of course, every single performance from the L.A. shows. Yeah, that's what I'm struggling with here, because I was just thinking about the Mary J. Blige performance and, of mm -hmm. course, Justin Timberlake. JT. They were so amazing. It's really tough for me to pick. Uh, but the Mary J. Blige performance came to my mind. Also, I like when she incorporates country music artists like Keith Urban, Dirks Bentley, Miranda Lambert. Those were all great. And I was so excited for Ryan Tedder because I love Ryan Tedder and I really hope that she works with him again like I hope she works with Jack again. 
I think just the LA guess as a single collective item maybe should be <laughs> number one. Of course, LA being such a big music scene, not even 1989 tour. I mean, also Red Tours speak now. I mean, every time that Taylor has guests in that city, it's amazing. It's definitely a bucket list item. I'm so jealous of those people. Yeah. And if you just go for one or two shows in LA, it's hard. You know you'll get an amazing show no matter what. But I feel like I would pick one and then the next night there would be somebody else I really wanted to see. But you can't go to all five generally. That would be difficult. No. Yeah. Bucket list. (laughs) Bucket list. Make it to every single LA show. (laughs) It's on the West Coast. It's fine. 3,000 miles away. It's tough because it gets spread out usually over about a week, right? Or even longer. Yeah. I think, what was there, five shows for 1989 in LA? And I want to say the first two, it was like a, I want it like a Monday, Tuesday, maybe, and then like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday or something. Something like that. It definitely was not consecutive. And it's just something to include on your bucket list. And with Taylor's popularity, if she had five shows for 1989, who knows, she might have like seven for the next album. New goal, go to all seven shows (laughs) in LA. Oh my God. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed listening to our journey back through the top 13 moments of 1989. It's always fun to do these tour summaries and relive all those memories that were getting kicked off about two years ago now. I've said this before on past episodes, but I always love doing these nostalgic episodes. Not that 1989 was even that long ago, really, but just going back and revisiting them. And of course, these great experiences that thousands, hundreds of thousands of people have had at these shows. It's always fun just to, you know, relive them and and just go through it all together. Even more than hundreds of thousands, Nate, I just had the page up and there were about 2.3 million people that attended the 1989 World Tour. Oh my god. So literally millions of people, each with their own stories at each of these shows. Yep. is That's insane to me. A couple reminders for now. Thanks for listening, of course. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe to us on iTunes. It will download the latest episode for you automatically. Also, we'd love it if you left us a review and a five-star rating. That helps other fans like yourself find our show. There are a bunch of ways that you can reach us. We are SwiftCast13 on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Facebook. You can email us, swiftcast13show at gmail.com. And of course, you can visit our website, swiftcast13.com. And stay tuned in a future episode. We don't know exactly when, but we have one more tour left, and that is the Speak Now Tour. So at some point in the future, we will be doing our top 13 Speak Now Tour moments. The final installment. I can't wait. Unless we do something for the debut era. Maybe. Maybe. We'll have to think about that. You may be onto something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you guys for listening for episode 201. This is Adam. Ashley. Nate. And Steph. See you next week. Bye, guys. Thanks, guys. Later. Thank you for listening to this episode of SwiftCast. Visit us on the web at theswiftcast.com. Swiftcast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift, Big Machine Label Group, or 13 Management. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.